Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Tiny swimming robots treat deadly pneumonia in mice. New promising results have been published in the Journal of Nature Materials showing that micro-robots injected into the lungs of mice allow them to successfully clear pneumonia-causing bacteria present there with 100% survival rate. When you compare that with 100% mortality rate for which the mice didn't benefit from these little robots, you can see how important this could be in the future of medicine. Ooh, I don't know about this story, Dr. Derry. I don't know about this one. Microbots have been in concept since the CIA. See, right there. Since the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Since the CIA began studying them in the 1970s. However, the technology to actually create working models on the one millimeter or smaller scale, commonly accepted as a qualification for a microbot, was not available until the early 2000s. Since then, this kind of research has exploded with major universities such as Harvard and corporations such as IBM and Microsoft pouring increasing resources into the development of microbot technologies. Microbots are not only mechanical, but increasingly rely on biological components. Microbots, which integrate biology, are also sometimes called xenobots. The first xenobots were built from the cartilage tissue of the African frog. They could live for weeks and propel themselves based on the rhythmic contractions of the tissue. The latest studies have injected RNA into xenobots, which allow them to be trained to exhibit specific behaviors, which, when exposed to stimuli, such as light, there are even xenobots which can self-replicate. One of the only man-made forms of reproducting light. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I hope I'm, I'm cringing as I'm, I'm reading this. <laughs> oh my gosh, the microbots in this study were primarily constructed from two components: algae cells with self-propelling elements and nanoparticles speckled with antibiotics. The algae cells allow these robots to move around the lungs, delivering antibiotics to more difficult-to-reach areas thus more effectively delivering the antibiotic laced through their tissues and reducing harmful inflammation that resulted in the death of non-treated mice. One of the lead researchers, nanoengineering professor Zhang at the University of California, San Diego, Jacob School of Engineering, says one of the main goals is to do targeted drug delivery into more challenging parts of the body like the lungs and to do it in a way that is safe, easy and long lasting. The study was one of the first demonstrations of this kind of technology at work inside the body of an animal. If studies continue to show similar success, it could lead to a future where a drastically lower amount of antibiotics could be targeted to a specific area the bacteria is infecting. This could also help slow the evolution of bacteria who are constantly evolving to avoid antibiotics, which results in lowered efficacy for these important drugs. This is a field you can expect to hear a lot more about in the years ahead as more money is allocated for the development 
of these little robot helpers. People are less worried about COVID risk. When the COVID-19 pandemic began in 2020, most people around the world united to protect their health and the health of their communities, exercising caution in their everyday lives and sacrificing many aspects of life which they enjoyed previously. For a long time, even in the U.S., most of the population continue to take extra health measures to ensure their safety from the virus. According to polls conducted by Axios News, however, as we approach the 30th anniversary of the pandemic, most Americans have collectively shrugged their shoulders, no longer exercise caution, despite knowing the health risks are still amongst us and that there are nearly 400 Americans dying each day from COVID, or around 150,000 individual lives lost in a year alone as a result of COVID. The survey showed that while only 11% of Americans say they have no chance of catching COVID, we have collectively decided to return to our pre-COVID lives with two-thirds believing there is minimal or no risk in returning to their previous everyday activities. At the beginning of the year, roughly half of people in the U.S. were still wearing their face masks at all times in public, and there were still regulations requiring everyone to wear masks when on public transit, airplanes, and in most schools and government settings. Since then, however, the regulations requiring masks and the rate of people wearing them has steadily declined. The survey also shows that of people who say they wear masks at all times, sometimes or occasionally, nearly one in five now report worrying how other people view them because of their masks. This is the highest number since Axios began tracking this metric. Several months out from the last big vaccine drive, rates of infections among the unvaccinated, partially or fully vaccinated, have reached near parity. Although those who have recently been vaccinated still show a more robust immune response to the variants, which those vaccines protect against. Despite these infection rates, the survey shows that across the board, citizens' knowledge of the latest treatments and variants has slipped to an all-time low. For instance, only 26% of the population are familiar with Paxlovid, the COVID-19 antiviral pill treatment, and even among those who have heard of it. Many have misconceptions about it when it should be used and about its success rate. Roughly half the population believes the 2020 global shutdown was necessary to save lives, but the other half believes it was unnecessary damage to the economy, schools, and mental health. As expected, the split breaks down mostly across party lines, with Democrats having more positive views on the shutdown than Republicans. Even as many people say we are in a much better place than we were a year ago, a large majority of Americans believe COVID will never completely go away. This is likely the case, just as with novel coronavirus pandemics of the past, where we would expect COVID to revisit us on an annual basis, being most pronounced during the winter season. Speaking of which, as we head into another winter season in the U.S., it's worth looking at areas of the world that have completed their winters for a taste of what's to come. In Australia, for instance, whose winters and summers are the opposite of ours, the daily tally of COVID deaths at all times since the beginning of the pandemic peaked just a month ago. And this isn't just a peak from another year. This is their peak just from the entire pandemic. That's insane. Chile, Argentina, and Brazil, other large countries in the Southern Hemisphere, also experienced high COVID caseloads in the past few months, although they managed to keep related deaths relatively low. But the bottom line going into the fall is clear. While we still don't know for sure what to expect, it's highly likely we will see a resurgence of cases and deaths, and there's still the possibility of being thrown another COVID curveball with the evolution of a new variant. 
So even if you're waving COVID goodbye in the rearview mirror, it's worth maintaining caution as we head into the fall season. One final thought that we should have as we wrap up the story, since COVID isn't a topic we cover as often anymore, is China. Through measures that even the most passionate COVID protectionists agree went too far, China, the country with the largest population in the world, has managed to keep cases extremely low throughout the pandemic. On one hand, that's great and a testament to society working vigorously to protect public health. But when China finally decides to relax restrictions and stop shutting down entire cities to stop a few cases from spreading, China and the 1.4 billion people there will likely experience a wave of the virus in their population with relatively low immunity, just as Australia just experienced. The bottom line is that we're all feeling more calm about COVID, but it's important to not let our guard down. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefilterthshow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>